the more like queer artists and artists of color that get into it and can kind of decolonize tattooing, the better. Like the more opportunities we give people, like the better things are going to be. Jessica Luciano, producer of Sisteria here, a podcast about women and non-binary creatives and their experiences creating and consuming arts and culture. In this week's episode, we're chatting to the amazing Gemma Flack. Gemma is an artist, zine maker, musician and hand poke tattoo artist originally from the UK and now living in Australia. Gemma's work is about cute and angry femmes and exploring themes of identity, vulnerability, feminism, gender, mental health, queerness, self-discovery, and coming to terms with the concept of existing as a human. Their work reflects inspirations from zine culture, street fashion, punk and DIY aesthetics, selfies and internet culture, body positivity, intersectional politics, girls taking selfies in their bedrooms, girls making music, girls making art, and girls taking over the world. You have to listen to this episode for so many reasons. We cover the art of tattooing, how Gemma transitioned from drawing on paper to inking flesh, and the psychological and emotional process of giving and receiving tattoos. And everyone, listen, because their voice is just so, so soothing. We could have Gemma on the podcast a million times over. We started this week's episode by asking Gemma how they got started making zines in the first place. I made this alphabet book at uni and it was basically kind of an alphabet book for adults and it was just all pictures of like naked girls doing strange things. Mm. And I wanted to make it into a book and when I was researching how to make a book, I came across zine making resources on the internet. So I kind of learned how to lay things out, but I also discovered this kind of secret world of zines that I'd never really heard before. And that was in about 2008 or so. And I just kind of really enjoyed making something with my hands, making something with paper, giving it to people and having these physical things. And it kind of went from there. Did you find that that community because in my mind the zine community is so welcoming and so like full of beautiful people who are so kind and generous did you find that immediately that connection with people who were just willing to work together and speak to each other I found it yeah I found it pretty early on so I started volunteering at Sticky Institute Mm -hmm. in about 2012 or so and I like zine people are so lovely and so welcoming but I feel like there is also this kind of culture of coolness Mm. around it we're like I'm too scared to go into a zine shop because these people are really cool but everybody I know who makes scenes is a total dog and just so lovely. And so I got welcomed in pretty quickly and showed people my scenes and like got other people's scenes and did swaps and stuff. And yeah, it's, I've like made most of my friends in Melbourne through making zines. Yeah, you say Melbourne. I hear yeah. book, which is very British. <laughs> book. My mum's British as well. Yeah, and she right. says book and my grand does and everything. Yes. So are you originally from the, new, I'm the from, UK? Yeah, I'm from England on the south coast near Brighton. 
but I've been here for like 11 years now so my accent goes a bit all over the place mm -hmm. like when I suddenly become aware somebody says oh you're British I'm like oh yes I am <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of times I forget and I get really Aussie so yeah you were at school when you did that project mm. what were you studying and was it kind of had that dovetail with the DIYs in making compared to like the kind of art school discipline mm. well I I was at RMIT and I was studying animation so it was kind of this wasn't even a project that I was supposed to be doing at uni it was just something that I did like on the side that got inspired by something but I was really keen on doing like handmade animation and um, claymation and that kind of thing but it was very set up for 3D and computer based stuff so I didn't get on super well with it and I dropped out eventually and just did a lot of like more art stuff on the side. Was that a hard process though of like coming to the realisation that maybe that didn't work for you and dropping out? Did you feel like oh I'm, fa I'm failing at this but in reality when you relook at it you're like actually I was discovering something? I, I think it was a good process for to go through and I, I was doing pretty well in the course, I was getting good grades, I just wasn't, I just like slowly realised that it wasn't what I wanted. Weren't feeling yourself. Yeah, and it was similar, like when I lived in the UK I studied illustration for a bit and that's all set up for like doing work for clients, for like businesses. And I was like, at the time I thought the only way that you can make money as an artist is to do, be an illustrator and do stuff in magazines or do things for businesses and the more I tried it, the more I realised that I just kind of hated it and it stressed me out and I did not enjoy working for clients in that way and it took me a long time to like call myself an artist because mm -hmm. I was like that's a bit wanky mm -hmm. like am I allowed to say that it took me a while <laughs> I feel like if you make art you're an artist right? I think so things. now yeah absolutely yeah. if you do anything you're an artist if you yeah whatever you want but to be art if you want it to be imposter syndrome that we've talked about before totally. right it's like you never really feel yeah. valid but that's all kind of internalised because externally everyone would be like your your work is incredible. You're an artist. Yeah. Like, Even and if your work isn't incredible, you're still an artist. Represent <laughs> true. When did you start? So obviously you went through the tertiary route of doing illustration. Mm. When did you first like pick up pencil, pick up paper, and was it something that you grew up with? Or yeah, I think I can. I can't ever remember a time where I didn't do that. Like me and my sister were both super arty. We always drew stuff. My first kind of memory of things was being like primary school, where people would ask me to draw like a Mickey Mouse to put on their report, even though I didn't have anything to do. This thing on my thing. I'm like sure. So I think that's when I first realised that I had some kind of ability or whatever it whatever it is so that's kind of like performity right people would ask you to do it you did it yeah as like an exchange but was is there some kind of like personal element do you find it soothing and meditative as well as like an outlet or is it more like it business it's a really hard balance to strike when i've struggled with that for for as long as i've been doing art because i think that it always goes in waves and sometimes you'll have a period where you're super inspired, everything comes really easily, and you're just like, I'm great at this, this is amazing. Other times you can go for like weeks or months, it's just like, I don't have anything in my brain, nothing's coming out, I don't have any ideas, everything is stressing me out. And I think that as I've gotten older, I've learnt more about my pattern and the fact that if I can't do anything, I just kind of have to wait, and that's like the way it goes. Like often when I make a zine, I'll have an idea, or I'll have a deadline and I'm like, okay, I have to do this thing. 
and I've learned that my process now is just kind of like three months of thinking about things mm -hmm. and then like two days of actually doing it and it all just kind of comes out all in one go and I know that if I rush it it won't be good but if I just sit there and wait and stress on it for ages it'll turn out mm -hmm. good. But it's all <laughs> happening up there, it's all percolating. Yes, it's percolating, exactly and then it all just comes out in this big flood and I'm just like, okay, I've done it, it's great. <laughs> Which is interesting because I've spoken to writers before about how you know, if you have a deadline or you have this or the other, I can't, I personally can't sit down and just write it. And mm. it does take me a while of thinking about it. And then one day it'll just burst out yes. of me. And learning to accept the fact that those months or days or weeks or whatever is still part of it's the, the process, process. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Like yeah. of working through it and not beating yourself up about that time that you take to get there. Mm -hmm. mm. Yes. But that can be really stressful when that's your income and your livelihood. And you also are acutely aware that you need to make money and produce the thing. Yes. That tension with creative work and getting that dough. Yeah. <laughs> a tricky land to strike. It truly is. <laughs> yes. I, I've definitely found it easier as I've gotten older, as I've learnt more about myself and how I work. I think with tattooing as well, it comes a little bit easier because you've got a client mm. and they might come up with an idea and that kind of sparks something within you and it's like what I hated about working for business clients and illustration, I love what it like I love it when it comes to an actual person getting something for themselves on their body and working with them to realise what, what they really want for themselves. It's like it's still working with clients but it's such a different process. Mm, it's like I, a collaborative exchange rather yeah, than a business transaction. Exactly, yeah. So it feels a lot more kind of affirming and real and warm. And it kind of helps me spark ideas as well. So yeah, I feel like true. a lot of your work in the theme is affirming and, and warm and funny mm. and all of those things you just said. I just did want to ask about how you transitioned from the paper element to people's bodies. Like, how did you <laughs> be like, I want to try and do tattooing? Well, at the time, I had quit my, like, my office job. It was sort of like about four years ago or so. I used to be a bookkeeper in my previous life, um, so I'd quit my job and I really wanted to just like give art a go and do what I could. And I hadn't got any tattoos for ages, I was really broke at the time, and I was just like, maybe I can do it myself. <laughs> and so my first one I did with a sewing needle and some India ink, which I don't recommend as a, as a method, <laughs> but it kind of got me into it and I really enjoyed it. And um, I started doing my partner and friends and that kind of thing. I had a friend who was a machine tattooist and they were like, hey, I know that you're doing this, like, come into my studio and I'll show you some equipment, I'll show you how to make sure you're doing everything cleanly and safely. And um, yeah, just kind of went from there. I started doing more friends, more practicing on people. And um, like, I didn't do it very often for a little while, but then it, like in the last two and a half years, about two and a half years ago, I started up a studio space with a friend and I taught them how to tattoo and we had this cute little space and just kept doing it a bit more seriously. And then in about April of this year, last year, <laughs> oh my god, it's 2019, <laughs> um, yeah, April last year I started working at Crucible, which was amazing and like very validating because I was just kind of doing it like technically illegally up until that point because <laughs> it's like in Victoria it's illegal to do it if unless you have a licensed premises. So yeah, now I'm at Crucible and it feels amazing to be kind of part of a community, to be around other artists, to see what they're doing and to have like this great opportunity to grow and learn, you mm. know? 
Steph, do you have any tattoos? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, for, skin. not for lack of wanting them or finding them appealing or being interested in them, just because I am both incredibly fickle mm-hmm. and I was talking about it with our producer before we went on the air. Part of me is also like, sometimes like I'm driven to get one. I'm going to get a tattoo, but then I'm like, in a few years I'll probably find that as a way to hate myself in that moment of time do you know what I mean like I'm so caught up in my own head and finding any excuse to really hate myself (laughs) that I do that but the one thing that I did actually want to talk to you about so in terms of like the process so just say little old virgin skin me comes to you and I'm like I want my dogs because they mean the world to me and I know that you do a lot of animals and I yeah, yeah, and I'm I really want to. And you've got like little animals all over your arms, and I love, <laughs> love your pictures. And my dogs are my world, and they're like the only thing that are like they're pure, right? Like yeah. they can do no wrong, even when Peppy shed on our couch. Basically, <laughs> they can do no wrong. So if I came to you and was like, "Here's a photo of my dogs," or I'm interested in getting a tattoo of my dogs, how would that process go? Like what? What do you do? Well, I would ask you for the pictures, first of all, because that's my favourite thing about doing animal portraits, is that my email inbox is a lot easier to go through, but I know this is like pictures of dogs that we <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, I, I, don't have, I don't have many. <laughs> Seriously, my Instagram is just dogs. Um, so, like, I really enjoy doing animal portraits because I think there's something really special about, like, capturing something about their essence so I would definitely ask you a few questions about like what the dog's personalities are like, what like what is it about them that you love that you want to capture and kind of put into it. Um, the other thing it comes down to is like what kind of size are you looking for, what kind of style, like are we doing like black fine line stuff or like bold colourful things. If you have like a budget in mind or I can kind of give you an estimate on what I think that we could do. Um, and then we kind of just go from there and like chat about what feels good, or do some sketches and that kind of thing, and then we can refine it and go back and forth from there until we're at a design that we're both happy with. You know? It feels like an almost kind of therapeutic process, right? You're sitting down and talking to people about their feelings and about their body and about what they're going to do. So yeah. it's not just necessarily the like that artistic element of the drawing and the. I think it's very quite quite in depth and it personal yeah it really can be like it varies so much like some sometimes I'll just draw some flash up and people will be like I want that I want that just put it there done and like some people come to me and they're like I've been thinking about this idea for like seven years <laughs> and now I've chosen you and I'm just like oh my god <laughs> no pressure but you're yeah. my chosen one <laughs> so sometimes there is a lot of emotion in there um and it kind of takes some talking through and some kind of reassurance and I really enjoy that process as well because part of part of what I love about tattooing is like affirming people's relationships with their bodies like I've definitely come to a much better relationship with my body once I've been able to put my markings on it in a way um I feel like I feel like especially women and queer and trans people are often made to feel like their bodies don't belong to them or they're up for discussion or they're for public consumption and I feel like tattooing is a way to kind of, like, reclaim that body. And I've, I've done that for myself, and I feel like it's a really important thing to be able to do for other people, and I find it, like, to be a huge honour, you know? So sometimes there is that when we're doing a tattoo, 
and sometimes people are just like already covered in tattoo and the next one is just like another thing mm -hmm. I feel like the first one is the hardest one because it's the only one you've got and it kind of has to be perfect whereas the more and more you get the more it's just like that just kind of fits in there and like it, it doesn't matter as much when you have more I think but well, everybody's journey is so different yeah. and so interesting you know? Ronnie you've got a few tattoos yeah I, I sort of started getting tattoos about 10 years ago and it's interesting Steph when you're talking about that experience of looking at something that meant a lot to you a while ago and no longer feeling the same about it yeah. you know I do have that experience a lot um where I, I look at my tattoos and I'm like I would never get that that now like that is so uh, not in my I'm not in that headspace anymore but I feel like deep affection for my the self that I was when I got them when I look at them I, I like it's feeling of like oh, bless you, like, yeah. you were you were really happy about that at the time, and, like, I would never, like, get a barrel of monkey's tattoo again now, but <laughs> at the time, I thought that was really fucking cool, and, like, so I guess that's, and when people say, like, oh, you'll regret it, you know, in 50 years or whatever, I'm like, no, you know, I, then I'd be regretting who I was, like, I feel yeah. deep sense of affection and kind of... Um, it's <laughs> self-acceptance, yeah. and I guess yeah. that's that's something that I am still and forever working on, just mm. in general, like, self-esteem, and but that's also, I think quite interesting Gemma in that it's also thematically what a lot of your work is about mm. so like the zines follow this kind of idea of it's it's funny and sad and and kind of yeah. things that you've experienced to do with maybe your own I'm guessing they're quite autobiographical yeah, is that right pretty, yeah I do think it's kind of like and like tattooing feels kind of like an organic extension like literally, yeah, literally yeah. <laughs> of my other work that I've done on paper um, I feel like my whole artistic life has been all about like learning about myself, coming to terms with who I am and like self-exploration and identity and that kind of thing. And so I think it really does kind of translate across even if I'm drawing in like different styles when I do tattooing. Sometimes I have kind of a bit of dissonance with them and I'm like, how does all of my work fit together? But I think when I think about those themes, like it feels a lot more cohesive to me, and it's it's nice to be able to kind of do things in different styles and have different mediums and have that kind of space to explore and continue to learning about myself. You know, like I'm 33 and it's still like a journey. You know, like I still have no idea. Not going either. I'm 34 this month and I'm like possibly worse than I've ever been. <laughs> Oh, that's such a lie, but I'm glad we've got that on tape. If we could just roll that again, that'd be great. I feel like some of the tattoo places that I've been to have been quite bro-y, and, like, you get that vibe where you walk in and you're like, you know, they've got the tattoo mags and, like, pictures of naked chicks, lots of tattoos, and it's, like, very, very... It can be a very bro-y scene. Yes. And one of the things that I love about your work is that it's, like, really feminine and really, like, pretty and yes. kind of feels like it's subverting that or like just rejecting that is that have you experienced that part of the tattoo world and is that yes. something that you try and like steer I, away from? I feel very lucky to be able to avoid it because mm. I work in a fully queer studio all the artists are queer the owner is queer most of our clients are queer or at least queer friendly and so yeah I experience a bit of it on the internet getting just like random hate from people that are like you're, you know, he's like, tattooing is full, we don't need you. I'm just like, 
Tattooing is not full. Like, Tattooing is full. We yeah. don't need like, you. Can you ever say, like, art is full? We don't need any more artists in the world. All That's right. like the, those awful bumper stickers that's like <laughs> Australia's full yeah, kind of right, thing, but in exactly. like this really. I oh, wonder if that was like a white man, a cis oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of gatekeeping in tattooing, and I feel like a lot of a lot of those kind of old bros are like, you have to get into tattooing a certain way, you have to do this specific style. The main goal of all tattooists is to be versatile and do everything, and that may have been the case, and that's fine if that's what you want to do, but I also think that there's an incredible amount of like artists who are doing their specific thing, their specific style, People aren't going to come to them and be like, I want an eagle doing this. And I'm like, well, it's not, it's not what I do. Go to somebody else who does do that. If you want my work, you come to me. And I think that's really amazing because it's, it's kind of promoting so much more diversity in tattooing. Um, and, like, getting apprenticeship is hard and it means that you have to work for free for a while. And not everybody can do that. If you don't have the opportunity to be able to do that, then you've got to get into it some other ways. And I think it's opening up more. Like when I started working at Crucible, I was really surprised at how many of the other artists were self-taught and didn't do an apprenticeship. And I was like, okay, that's that's extra validating as well because I'm like mega imposter syndrome. Like I'm I was the only handpoke artist there. I was like, oh, I wonder if everybody else has done an apprenticeship, and I'm just like this weird odd one out. But it turns out not. And just for people listening, can you explain what hand? Is yeah, so with hand poke, it's basically the same as machine tattooing, except there's no machine. So we use the same needles, the same ink, same everything else, except that the machine is vibrating the needle for you, whereas with hand poke, you're moving the needle by hand. Um, so it takes a bit longer. Um, you can get kind of various different results. You can make things look very like their machine tattoo or you can kind of go in the opposite direction and make something that looks like very kind of handmade. Um, I really like it because it does feel very hands-on and almost like... Well, like, like literally. Like, literally. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it really is. It's very kind of tactile. You're very in touch with the skin. You get a lot of feedback from it. Um, and I kind of like the process. I historically have not been a super patient person, but it has taught me much patience like just this kind of slow process of enjoying how to get there like previously if I've done a painting I'm just like I can't wait to get the painting finished and I'm, I don't care about like doing it I just want it to be done and but I guess when the canvas is a person yeah the canvas is a person you you've got to take your time it's also client service you've got to make sure that they're comfortable that they're having a good time that they're not in so much pain or they're uncomfortable in any way so it's a lot of kind of balance and patience and it has helped me a lot in my kind of personal personal life and the way I think of myself and relate to myself. Um, having said that, I am learning machine at the moment as well, which is also very fun. It's so fast and it's just like, I'm kind of excited to do that because um, I'm looking forward to being able to do just like really huge pieces, like really hectic, so colorful and just like shove everything in there and just kind of go a bit wild. I think hand poker is a little bit more restrained. You can do big pieces, but it just does take a long time. So but I yeah. guess that's the evolution of your experience as an artist and as a chat artist. True. It's, it's always good to learn more ways to make art, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I, I still love hand poker. I still want to keep doing it. And I think 
a lot of people want that from me. I do quite a few people's first tattoos because I think it's a little bit more, like, less intimidating than machine. It definitely hurts a lot less. Um, but yeah, add another string to my bow, like, why not? I want to keep learning and keep growing as an artist and as a person, so... I yeah. love it. We should probably give a shout out to the studio that you work in, yes. that you've talked about, Queer Friendly Space Crucible. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Yes, so Crucible Tattoo has been around, We've I think we've just celebrated like a three year anniversary of being in existence. Um, so it's owned by a wonderful man called Zero and he does the best job in making it like a wonderful trans and queer friendly space. It just does not have that vibe of the kind of bro-y tattoos. It kind of, it's just very relaxing and calming and just like feels like this cute little family. So I highly recommend it to anybody who does not want to enter the kind of bro domain of a lot of tattoo studios. We, yeah, we work, like try to work closely with our clients to make sure that it's like an affirming process and understand people's bodies. It's in Kensington. So, oh, that's, yeah. I do know that one. That's just yeah. down the road. So I'm going to pop in with my dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so you can meet them in IRL. <laughs> it's interesting about that bro thing, just before we go on to our shout out, because I was reading a little bit about like the history of tattoos and it's so much more in depth and far reaching than what we realize with our mm. like Western Judeo Christian kind of ideas where totally. we're like, oh, it's these kind of guys in the Navy or yeah. criminals or it's Robert Mitchum with the love hate in, you know. <laughs> it's more than that. Like, yes. apparently they found like mummies and shit from ancient. Egypt with really? tattoos and stuff. That. Yeah, it goes yeah. back. It goes back forever. But like, I just love that these like dudes. Yes, <laughs> it's like we own it. Yes, it's colonizing well. the fuck out of everything. Absolutely. Chill out. Yes, and yeah, absolutely. The more like queer artists and artists of color that get into it and can kind of decolonize tattooing, the better. Like the more opportunities we give people, like the better things are going to be. You know, like as with everything. I love it. Preach. Yes. <laughs> so on that. Let's give a shout-out. Sisteria shout-out! So we've given a shout-out to the studio, and we'll provide links, I think, to your... have got a shop online, mm-hmm. and you've got your zines, and your Instagram, mm-hmm. and we'll provide all of that. Okay. But what particularly would you like to give a shout-out to? Well, um, I have an exciting project that I've just started at the end of last year with some friends. Um, so we've opened a studio called Pink Ember Studio. It's in Coburg, and... We've set it up as kind of a not-for-profit art space. So we've got 14 studios that we filled with artists. It's all run by women and queers, and we have a little shop front, um, and we're selling artists' work. And, and yeah, it's going amazingly so far. We've had a really great response. We're also going to be hosting workshops. So um, I think in January and February, we're going to start doing a bunch of embroidery workshops. Amazing. Um, we've just successfully got a grant from Moreland Council. Congratulations. Which, thank you. So we're going to use that to kind of improve our facilities so we can offer more workshops, get some like screen printing and things going. We're going to do like some life drawing classes. And so we just kind of try to set it up as like a community support kind of thing so we can offer education to the community, host spaces for artists to work from, um, sell artists things and promote their work so it's going pretty great and I'm really excited about what we can do especially with the grant to help us kind of get everything going. So, That's yeah. amazing. That's beautiful. Congratulations. Thank what a way you. to like get into 2019 with the ground running. Yeah I can't believe we did it. Like we were thought about it like how cool would it be to have a shop and I'm like yeah that'll be great and I'm like oh we we did it like it happened. 
it's it's wild. Well, now you can do anything, <laughs> anything <laughs> you want. Gemma, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you, thank you Gemma. Thank you. Sisteria, created by women and for anyone who wants to listen. Sisteria is supported by City of Melbourne in partnership with the Melbourne Library Service. Sisteria is produced by Stephanie Van Schilt and me. Jessica Lucchiano. For links to everything we've discussed, check out our website, sisteriapodcast.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Sisteriapod. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And if you love what we do, we'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes too. Our amazing theme music is by Rainbow Chan. The song is called Last and is available on her latest album, Spacings. Sisteria is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and to the elders of the lands this podcast reaches. We hope you tune in again soon.